everyone. Welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity Rewatch podcast. We'll watch an episode each week and join you here to talk all about it. Just a quick reminder, our the reminder we always give, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. So if you haven't seen all that's to come in Felicity, uh, you know, beware. Uh, actually, in this particular episode, they really set up a lot of foreshadowing. So, you know, we may bring up some things. Uh, so just be aware of that. But we have a fun time here. So stick with us anyway. I am Melissa, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Fish. Fish, how are you doing today? Hey, Melissa. I am going to warn the listeners. I have not had a lot of sleep in the last three days. And when that happens, I tend to ramble and lose my words and say things that I cannot be responsible for. So Melissa's gonna gonna help me out here. <clears throat> She's gonna steer things and uh, tell me to shut up, which I will do right now. Well, we're all friends here is what I wanna say. And we appreciate the caveat. This was a bit of a rambling episode as well. So. Fish and I were just talking right before this saying that, you know, this could either be the worst podcast we've ever done or the very best. Hard to say. The conditions are aligned for either outcome. Uh, (laughs) So uh, which episode are we talking about? You may ask. Well, we are tackling season one, episode 13, Todd Mulcahy, part one. This is the second two-part episode that we've encountered so far in this series. So Todd Mulcahy, part one, originally aired February 9th, 1999. It was both written and directed by J.J. Abrams. And here's the description. When a boy that Felicity knew when she was 12 years old comes to town to act on feelings that she has had for that he has had for her, she consults someone familiar with stalkers. Ben, she also (laughs) applies for a seminar with a geneticist named Dr. McGrath. Now, look, this episode feels like it was a time capsule care package of ideas. (laughs) Uh, Just the way Felicity pulled out a whole lot of random stuff from that big box Todd gave her. I kind of feel like that's what this episode was. So Fish, I don't know. What do you think? Where do you think you want to start on this one? I mean... So I did not remember Todd Mulcahy at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am very confused by him. (laughs) So uh, there's a lot of other things that I do think we should talk about. But I kind of just want to start with him and the main question that's on my mind. Okay. Todd Mulcahy, sweet or creepy? Ma, yeah, I mean... I guess that's the question. T dash 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 Mulcahy. Is he right. sweet <laughs> or is he creepy? I I don't know. Hmm. I mean, he's kind of both, but I feel like he's definitely creepy at times. I mean, there are some real moments and, and his wave starts to get really creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he also... Like even, okay, so I'll just start like right at the end because why not? Um, He's talking to Felicity. They finally sat down together and, 
you know, he says that he does canned food drives and all this, you know, charity stuff. And he's talking about how he was out turkey shopping. And, you know, he, he says the two of them represented an alternative to each other. And he's the one who first gave her art supplies Mm -hmm. and they're not conforming to expectations. And, and at the same time, he's super intense Mm -hmm. and kind of creepy in looking at her. So (laughs) I, I don't know what to do with this guy. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know, Melissa. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that there's a black and white answer to your question. Um, I think one of the things that I really appreciate about this episode, and I'm going to, I'm going to give it an award for this episode, uh, like most self-aware, um, you know, for, this, for, for the show, um, no because they they use Todd Mulcahy as a character and a device and he's basically Felicity at the start of the show but he's I think goes further into creepy um he goes I well I think he goes further into not accepting no as an answer uh (laughs) like which is I think for me where creepiness comes from because she like overtly says no to him a lot of times. Like she's not soft about it. She's very clear. And um, he really seems to blow past that. And he's like, nope, kissing you anyway. Um, So for him, like, I think that's for me where the creepiness comes from. Like in part two, we're going to get more context to a little more context to him. And it may help you answer your question, but, you know, at the end of the day, even if he's like a good guy when he's in Palo Alto and he came out here for this romantic gesture, really mimicking what Felicity did at the start of the show, going to New York for Ben. um, But once he's really had these conversations with Felicity and she's rebuffed him every single time, he's still being very direct about his this he keeps asking the same question expecting a different answer um and we know what that's a definition for so it's (laughs) (laughs) I think for me that's where the creepiness comes from but he also brings up a lot of really interesting ideas and for Felicity, especially, you know, as you were mentioning in that last conversation he has with her, he's really shaking her to her core, uh, like fundamental, asking her important fundamental questions that she needs to think about to, to ask, you know, is she living the life she actually wants right now? Like here she is, she, she rocked the boat, she moved to New York. She's going to school. And even now, is she doing what she wants to do? He's going to plant this idea in her head. So it, this is like, he's the most important, unimportant character <laughs> we may ever come across in this show. Yeah, he does have this moment where, 
I'm trying to remember exactly what he said and what Felicity said. <clears throat> but she kind of, she does see obviously herself in him. And she says something um, about how she, I guess, came to New York and, you know, it's something like, how do you know I'm not already living this life that you were just talking about? Mm-hmm. And and he does this multiple times. He just looks at her and says, well, are you? Mm-hmm. And she can't say yes, because she's not with Ben. She's not following what she originally was planning on doing. So it's, it's a little more complicated. So she just kind of doesn't answer him. But I like how he asks her these questions when she says no, because I don't I don't find it creepy that he continues to pursue her because all he's looking for is a kiss and because he's so kind of goofy at times, but Mm -hmm. then he gets intense and it's creepy. And for me, the the creepy parts come from not when he directly says like, I came for a kiss, you know, but when he actually does stuff like shows up at her test and like mm-hmm. waves at her I, and they're just like certain things that he does that I think are creepy but he's he's also got this goofy side to him so I'm okay with him pursuing her but when he asks these really pointed questions of her and she doesn't have good answers to them that's part of why I think he continues to pursue her because she doesn't you know, say that she's you know, the happiest with Noel and she came here for this and, you know, she's living the best life she's ever lived in every way. So it's, I don't know, I kind of feel like she leaves the door open for him just by not really, really shutting it Yeah. when he asks Ooh. these questions. Gosh. I don't know. I guess it depends on how you define shutting the door because she says no a whole bunch of times just because she can't answer his deep philosophical questions about life doesn't mean that she wants a kiss from him. I think our creepy meter is set in a different place, Fish. That's what I'm learning here. Because if somebody like came to me and they were like, I came and I'm specifically here to kiss you and I will not leave until that happens. I'd be like, get out of my face. Get out of my face. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I guess for me, that is a, a, a little much. But he he there's no denying that these big questions that he's asking her are going to really shake her up and are going to send her into a bit of an existential crisis (laughs) going up here (laughs) and it's important the impact that he has is very important on her even though i don't think i think we get this actor in two episodes of felicity and then never again uh <laughs> well i mean unless he wakes up <laughs> well there's a lot to explore in part two i'll tell you that much uh part two is a gem uh, but this really sets it up yeah it's kind of like it's it's kind of like there's a line of demarcation here there's the before todd and the after todd and Todd himself, I don't know how, how much you invest in like unpacking him. It's the fact that there's a before and an after Todd in Felicity's life 
that makes him vital to the show. So I, I think, you know, these questions that he's asking her are important. And when you think about it, he's kind of, his relationship with her is sort of arrested in the development that they had at 12 and 14 when they were at summer school. And he's talking about, you know, that almost kiss moment they had watching the sunset at the Baylands. And he is really living in that time in his relationship with her. He only knows that part, the part where they were bonding over the expectations that their families had for them. And the fact that maybe that's not where they wanted to go with things. It sounds like they were really asking themselves some deep questions at that time about, okay, well, this is what's set up for us, but do we want this? And he's talking about how, you know, they presented an alternative for each other that the expectations were one thing, but what they wanted also mattered. And so, you know, he gave her the art supplies to help foster that side of her that she wanted to explore, even though you can imagine her dad was probably pushing her down the medical path very early in life. So he, that's what he remembers. And I suppose if you're going to be frozen in a moment in time, that's a really productive moment to be frozen in. (laughs) So he's, he's raising that back up for her and asking her to re-explore it. And I suppose that was an early time in their life to have those questions. And this is about the time she can start acting on them. So I think he has a powerful impact with these questions and these anecdotes that he's bringing back up to her. Yeah, I can definitely see it from that perspective, like him having a huge impact on her and the show. But for me, I'm just kind of fascinated by him and I guess my reaction to him because (laughs) it's, I don't know, he does these really like thoughtful things like the little Felicity um, license plate, license plate. See, losing my words. I'm here for you. you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Listeners, we're all here together. Okay. We're going to help fish. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and that care package that he sends with like all of the candy and drinks from when they were kids. And Aww. I don't know. I mean, the I get what you're saying. The Cracker Jacks and the Dead Poets. World's largest box. Yeah. Plus so much styrofoam. Um, but then you, you've got that against the backdrop of him, like, <laughs> um, leaving five messages <laughs> for her. So, yeah. I love those messages. It reminded me of, was it Swingers? Um, what was the movie with Vince Vaughn? Uh, that is a movie with Vince Vaughn. Uh, that is one of many. And I think there was a whole thing. What was it? John Favreau had the whole like multiple messages. I don't know if that came before or after this. I'll have to look that up. Like the 90s. Hmm. <clears throat> Maybe it came before this and they were kind of riffing off of it. But I, I love his messages, like that they're just like increasingly throwing down <laughs> his last one that was like, it's come to this. I yeah. dare you to go out with me. It's Todd. <laughs> he, like, he just realizes at the end, like, oh, I didn't tell her who I was. Who else could it be, Todd? Who else? 
Could it possibly be? Could have been Bridget. Could have been Bridget. Uh, yes. Back my boots. Yeah. (laughs) Bridget. I mean, I, it's another one of those episodes where Megan isn't in it that much, but has, you know, just makes my heart grow big. You know, I mean, Bridget leaves this message. Now we understand kind of some of, of Megan's friends. You know, she's got a friend who would leave her a message to say, you know, you have my boots, bitch. And then Megan replies, pry them off my cold, dead feet. Uh, but she leaves that as a message through Felicity, just in case Felicity happens to pick up when Bridget uh-huh. calls. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, Megan continues to make an impact, you know, opening opening the very weird episode by we get a close up of her trying to pierce her nose herself. <laughs> Todd knocks on the door and is enlisted to help her. It's exactly where this episode needed to begin. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then later she blames Todd because her nose is infected because he, you know, I mean, clearly he should have known. Don't touch a nose you're trying to pierce. Yeah. I, well, I like that because that's a running gag throughout this episode where every single other character who isn't Felicity has an experience with Todd and then tells Felicity about it. She's like, wait, how do you know? How do you know, Todd? How do, wait, how do you know? Like, and, and everybody has like, these really filled out full experiences of joy with Todd, except, well, of course, for Megan, who's blaming him for, you know, infecting her nose. Um, but, you know, Julie, you know, he, Todd came over last night, he cooked chicken and rented seven. <laughs> like, everybody, I, I love how like Noel goes into the conversation with Todd, fully ready to hate yes. Todd. He's like, don't you do this. I'm the boyfriend. I'm laying down the law. This can't be a thing. You need to get out of here. (laughs) And Todd compliments him on his shirt. He's like, (laughs) I designed this. Are you kidding? (laughs) This whole thing. And then, of course, the moment he grabs Noel is when Noel admits that he is having a hard time getting a program running to make his designs work. And Todd's like, oh, maybe it's an extension conflict. And that's it. They're fast friends. Like... (laughs) Noel is now fine with Todd. Noel yeah. is fine with Todd up until the point when he learns that Todd was the the person who birthed the idea of men working at Dean and DeLuca. And now well, Noel's back on the I'm not I'm not with Todd anymore train. Well, that's what I thought was funny. He was comfortable with Todd. And he's comfortable with this guy who says he wants to kiss his girlfriend. Huh. And clearly he does not see him as a threat. And he only gets mad at him again and says, I hate that guy when he finds out he has brought Ben back into the picture. Uh But here's the other thing about Todd for me. And tell me if you also saw this. I feel like Todd and Noel are like the same person. Uh That's why Megan says, I think you two would make a perfect couple. And she means Noel and Todd. Yeah. But like, I just, I feel like they look so much alike, like their eyes are very similar and he also has the sideburns and like who else has sideburns Mm -hmm. Um, and they're both into computers and I I don't know, I just, their hair is kind of similar. They look similar. I feel like Felicity kind of has a type. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just, I thought it was funny that that the two of them 
looked so much alike and had so much in common. Yeah, but I think that's sort of the magic of Todd. Todd is able to find a way to bond with every other person in Felicity's life. If anything, he's bonded the least with Felicity because she's trying to create a boundary. But she had bonded with him way back when. But, you know, his on, on the one hand, it's like, is he a sweet guy who wants to take this huge romantic risk and, you know, come out to New York to kiss Felicity? Or is this the precursor to catch me if you can, <laughs> where this guy is just whoever you need to get a little closer to the goal? You know, he he's able to put on whatever facade required to get a little further in the conversation. So I didn't take it that way. I took it the first way that he's just this kind of goofy, easygoing guy who's generally like likable and yet has stalker tendencies like felicity let's not forget um so i don't know this is why i'm it's like i really want to like him i want to but i don't know that i can because he gets real creepy and i'm just really conflicted yeah i think that's fair and i think that's where the self-awareness comes in with this episode of the show because they deal really head on with the criticism of, Hey, Felicity is being a stalker. Um, And, you know, if you got this far into the show, you were willing to put that away and see the sweet parts of Felicity and the impulsive parts of Felicity and all the other stuff about her that makes her endearing. And that ultimately makes us love her. If you get this far into the show, if the stalker part bothered you so much that you stopped watching, you wouldn't still be here. So this is, you know, we're 13 episodes in now and the show is really being self-aware and making this, this callback and saying, we know what happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, we understand like multiple people, you know, uh, let's see, Felicity, Ben and Sean all re- call Felicity a stalker. <laughs> like Felicity calls herself a stalker from when she first got to the to school. And so it's calling it by name and also saying, but you love me now. Um, and it's making light of it. And it's using Todd to sort of re-explore what we saw at the start of the show. And it's putting a twist on it, right? And, you know, now that she's on the receiving end and, uh, and it's the, you know, it's a guy stalking a girl. Um, and like, there's, they're just trying to flip things around just a little bit to make you explore a little, little bit more. But I do appreciate that they're doing this fully knowing that this is where Felicity started. So mm-hmm. it's, I think, an important thing that the show does and it's making it, it's embedding that as canon. Because they never really said that about her at the start they just showed you yeah they didn't say the word stalker although mm-hmm. we did i did we did right i think anybody who was going to say it said it but i don't know that they actually called her that mm-hmm. and so now it's like we know we're here we moved on yeah but, well they yes they've moved on with felicity but I mean, 
Julie's kind of stalking her mom. Yeah. So it, it's not a device that has gone away from the show. Yeah, it's, oh. it's pretty messy with Julie, isn't it? I, you know, she, so we kind of skipped the whole interview process. We assume she's filled out the application. She had whatever interview there was. She gets hired as an intern. And she's now, we go directly into her starting this internship. So we see her at her first day on the job. And uh, it must have happened so quickly that it makes Ben's head spin because he sees the application or, you know, some paperwork for the firm on a table in the apartment. And he kind of lays into Julie, first of all, and, yeah. and says a lot of the things you were thinking last time, but he delivers, you know, his delivery is pretty rough. He's having a bad day. He's having a bad time right now in his life. And so what he says comes out just nothing but the facts. Um, and it was, you know, it was a little bit much for Julie. Yeah. So I want to talk about, about Julie and this whole process, but I also just want to say, I'm, I'm a bit confused by Ben in this episode too. So I want to come back to that. Um, but Ben does see the internship, uh, application, which she originally took and she filled it out. And so we see that she's filled it out and then she tell, and he asks her, you know, I actually, I don't think he asks her. I think he just states like you did this without telling Carol. And then she tells, who does she tell? Did she tells Felicity that she applied. She tells someone that she applied and I think it was Felicity and Felicity says, have you told her yet? Um, and she has this whole conversation about how she applied for the job and she has this fantasy that she's living in this fantasy world. And then she starts the job and later she's talking to Elena and Ben sitting there being supportive. Um, and Elena asks, I mean, have you told her? And Julie says no. And Elena just amazingly says, that's whack, which I love. Mm -hmm. um, but so she's had three different people all tell her this is not okay. Mm -hmm. And yet she's going to do it anyway. Yeah. She's going to do what she wants. Well, I think in Julia's head, she still thinks that she, I think she's um, sort of negotiating with herself in this situation. Like she has, she is imagining that she does not need a relationship with Carol. She's imagining that she can, you know, if we think back to what she was saying in the tape that she left that she never sent, you know, she wanted to see herself reflected in somebody else. She, you know, she does go as far as to say she wondered if maybe her mom ever thought of her, but at the end of the day, she's saying like, as long as I just sort of see myself reflected in somebody else, that's enough for me. And I don't know if that's really the case. I don't know if that's her being self-aware enough. I suspect she wants more, but if that were enough, then her taking this internship 
would be all she'd need. It's just that there's a lot more under the surface here. And, you know, what are the chances that she doesn't want more than what she just said? Because if that were all she needed, then Carol sharing half a sandwich of her lunch with Julie and having some conversations about, you know, both of them playing guitar and, you know, Carol's always wanted to visit Maine um, seeing that, you know, she has two kids now uh, that she has a picture of them on her desk. In theory, that would be enough for Julie if what she had said initially was honest. And it's probably not, right? Julie probably wants a lot more in this situation that she just hasn't admitted to for herself. Yeah, I mean, when Julie's talking about it being a fantasy, she does say, I want to be friends first. So first of all, she wants to be friends. And then, a, then second of all, it's a first. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a next. So, I mean, Carol seems really nice, like a caring person who gives gifts out and she has this other family living in Connecticut. And I just, I don't see her reacting well to this. I don't know what it is, but I feel like we're building Julie up for a fall because, you know, Carol seems like such a nice caring person and i just have this feeling in my gut that when it comes to light who julie is she's just gonna have i don't know either a panicked or like a cold or a creeped out reaction um that it's just not gonna go well but you know i could be wrong i just i feel like Well, this is a really dangerous setup. It absolutely is a dangerous setup. Um, Julie, and there are some things about their interaction that I suppose if Carol thought about it could give her a bit of pause. She may end up thinking about it more if she ever finds out who Julie is. She, for her to, for Carol to point blank say to this new intern, oh, are you thinking about, you know, majoring in architecture? And she's like, nope, I'm not yeah. uh, thinking about majoring in music. It's like, well, then why are you in this room? Because w- there must be so many people who would want this opportunity on mm-hmm. their resume. You know, people who are majoring and really looking to get into architecture. And Julie just openly says, nope that's not my deal. <laughs> it's like, how did you get here yep. over all the other people? I'm just, I can't even imagine how many students in New York there would be who would have wanted that opportunity who are on that track. And so, right. You know, Julie gives an honest answer because she wants this person to know more about her. And it already is just weird. And then you know, for Julie to say, are you happy? Is such a very personal question that an intern would not in the very first meeting with a partner, ask them something like that. Uh, I think it's a good question. I think that I wish all of us asked that question. I think it's an important question. That's not really the hierarchy you would expect (laughs) for the question to come up. So, you know, Julie is already really going to the edge of this. Um, You know, she sees that picture of Carol's two kids and she obviously has a twinge there. And 
So you can just see Julie's losing control if she ever had it. And it's scary. It's, it's going to be, she's setting herself up for, for failure, whether or not the failure happens. Yeah. And I do, I do agree. Um, I, I, I just wonder how Julie got the internship. Mm-hmm. I mean, if other people applied and said, you know, I'm, I don't know, a, a junior planning to be an architecture major, or I've had this previous work, um, or this has inspired me, or, I mean, what did she write on that application yeah. <laughs> uh, that got her this? But I mean, maybe it wasn't a very sought off of sought after internship but still hard to imagine i feel yeah. like this is where our suspension of disbelief disconnects yeah. <laughs> we're like yeah. she's not the only person in the city of new york who was looking for an architecture internship but mm-hmm. here we are she still got it so yeah. eh. and the, the weird question about being happy i mean i don't know that i ever phrase it that way or ever phrased it that way but certainly when I was doing informational interviews uh, and talking to people about kind of their career path early on, I would absolutely ask them, and I'd usually start with something like, how did you get into this field? But I would absolutely ask them, you know, if they enjoyed it, um, you know, if, if they felt like a sense of purpose, which fits more with the nonprofit world, um, or what they liked about it. And I definitely wanted to get to that question of like, do you think this was the right choice? Like, so. Yeah, I think I would ask questions like, what do you like about it and what don't you like about it? Mm-hmm. And it, it is kind of getting at the same thing. And I think a lot of the time it would yield answers that were very revealing for me. And so I liked that approach to it. I think the, are you happy is a very direct, very loaded question to ask. And, um, you know, to be entered with care, maybe more than it should be, because I feel like it's an important question for all of us to ask ourselves, but it is a lot for a kid to go to the partner in the firm and say that first, very first meeting. Yeah. I mean, Carol doesn't seem to think much of it, though. So she just kind of, you know, goes right past it and starts talking about her family. And, you know, she's already started talking about guitar. And and Julie says um, she is starting to see those moments of herself reflected you know, mm-hmm. in someone else. So, yeah, you know, as I said, I... I just don't see good things ahead for this. Um, yeah, it's it's a little scary what they're setting up here for her. Uh, and there's other scary things that they're setting up here as well that, you know, like I said, this episode really has so much foreshadowing and so much stuff that's going to bear fruit in the future. So everything with this seminar, oh, yes. you know, Elaine, so I guess the to reset it, Elena and Felicity are both trying to get into a very important seminar that will help them on their track towards, um, you know, going towards their degrees. And 
the seminar is with a very esteemed professor named Dr. McGrath. They, there's a very limited number of people who are going to get into this seminar. There's a test. And then the, of the top people who take the test, there's going to be a one-on-one interview process with Dr. McGrath. So they're prepping for this. They're nervous about it. And they have the bright idea to talk with somebody, a previous student who had been through the seminar to get some wisdom on what to expect. So that's the setup for this. And boy, they're loading in a lot of foreshadowing into this. What did you pick up on here, Fish? Oh, she definitely slept with him. Like that was the first thing I thought. That student, when uh, Elena and Felicity were talking to her, I don't know if we ever get her name. She's going to come up in one more episode in the future. Her name is going to be Sabrina, but she was not named in this episode. Okay. So Sabrina absolutely slept with him. I mean, the way she's talking about him and she calls him, was it Peter or something? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, and she's like, oh, he just, it's so much more than the seminar. And then Elena is like, yeah, and he's sexy, right? And I'm just like, oh, no, Elena. (laughs) Okay. So they laid it on pretty thick here to the point where I don't, do you remember the storyline or are you just looking at what I just, I saw that and I was like, whoa. Yeah. Well, I'm here to tell you, Fish, you've guessed very well. Uh, You're picking up on a lot of very important cues. (laughs) Yeah. They did not make that difficult. Yeah. Sabrina is all the way reminiscing about something that's not the seminar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and Felicity, and you can kind of see like Elena's right there with her and you can kind of see Felicity sort of looking back and forth between them. Like what is happening at this table? (laughs) Like, tell me what's going to be on this test. All right. I want to know. Um, Like, I don't don't need to have these moments. (laughs) I don't have time for this. Uh, But this is what she's getting because she's in this conversation with these two other people who want to have a completely different chat. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely, it's good to know (laughs) how much you think they telegraphed whatever may be ahead. Uh, My gosh. Yeah. Well, and they've got so Felicity says that her dad says it's monumentally important. And I just feel like, especially with this episode where Todd is is talking about alternatives and that she was really good and had these art supplies, and yet she's still trying to be pre-med. And this is we haven't heard about her art in a really long time, like mm-hmm. since that guidance counselor or whatever. Yeah, she was. had given her sketches to the guidance counselor and he said something about, you know, uh, you might make it a good physician, but you're already an exceptional artist or something like that. Uh, yeah. And then I don't think we've ever seen anything about it again. Yeah. So I feel like they are setting something up for the future there. Um because I feel like this, this stuff with her parents isn't just going to go away. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know, maybe just the way they started this whole journey for her, it doesn't seem like it's going to end in her becoming a doctor. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know. Um, so I feel like there is some foreshadowing there that there's going to be some issues 
going forward. Yeah, they really are setting up so much. I mean, this this episode, as bizarre as it is, sets up so much of the back half of this season. And and in some cases longer than that. So I think uh, looking back at it now with as much knowledge as I have of what's ahead, I can only appreciate how much they shoehorned in here. Uh, and the fact that it's reading so effectively for you means a lot too, because it's it's kind of helping to brace us for what may be ahead for so many of these characters. Um, also, uh, you know, Todd is a catalyst for Ben to interview at Dean and DeLuca. You know, he yeah. goes to, you know, Ben's having money troubles. We learn really early that the reason why Ben was so angry when he was initially talking to Julie and, you know, they have that first conversation where he sees her application and he's just angry with her. And he's like, this is just stupid, Julie. And, you know, he then goes, he reels it back and he apologizes and he says, look, my dad just cut me off. And, you know, we see him struggling with this through the episode. He asks Sean for help with the rent and, um, you know, Sean reluctantly agrees to let him be late for a month and Ben needs to resolve this. He's looking for some sort of a solution to get some money. And Todd, who is a skateboard buddy from way back, he, they know each other, you know, Ben's going to deal with Todd, but it turns out they just uh, are going to reunite and have fun together. Um, <laughs> and so he's really not going to be very effective in resolving Felicity's problem, but he's now reconnected with Todd and in his own life. And Todd says, Hey, why don't you just like ask to get a job where Felicity is working? And so that's now an idea. It is. Um, I want to step back and just sort of walk through some of the Ben stuff, because again, I'm a bit conflicted and and confused Mm -hmm. by some of the stuff that's going on with him. I know you said previously uh, when he hit what's his name zach when he hit zach that you know anger and a temper is actually going to be something for him so you know when he has this reaction uh to seeing julie's internship application filled out and he sounds like pissed and just says you know it's incredibly stupid whatever and the way he says it i mean i was really taken aback Mm -hmm. um and what i found odd is julie didn't seem taken aback Mm -hmm. she didn't like give him a weird face that i definitely made when (laughs) when he did that Mm -hmm. and you know she just sort of walks off and you know he you know it catches up to her and he's like i'm sorry like this has nothing to do with you but i did not like that you know the sort of anger followed by i guess it's good it's followed by an apology but it needs to be it needs to stop happening um so i and from what you said it does not sound like it stopped happening so that that does not make me feel good at all and then he says uh you know i'm gonna talk to to Todd, you know, you, 
as the expert on on being stalked um i you know he is so kind of open and warm and funny in that discussion with felicity he like reaches out and he touches her arm and he says i'm gonna go talk to him for me it felt like he couldn't do anything about his dad and so he wanted something to do um He's becoming mm. more sarcastic and he and Sean are playing off each other. So I'm, I'm loving that part of it. But then when he actually goes to talk to Todd, you know, he, he's just hanging out with him. And then he actually tells Felicity, you should kiss him. He's a good guy. So like this sort of responsible protector guy that he's been he's being completely unreliable here yeah, and not helping at all. And that's kind of a letdown too. So there were two things that I felt like I did not like at all about his character in this episode. And yet there were these other moments where he was so continuing to be open and warm and, you know, given Javier that smile uh, during the interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think the two things that you're pointing out here are, let's look at them separately, because I think the second one that you mentioned is what they do with every other character, right? Where everybody on, you know, anybody who gets the story from Felicity first is like, oh, this guy, he's, he's wants to kiss me. He's not going away. I need something. I need him to be dealt with. I can't have this in my life. And everybody walks out of the conversation with Felicity like, oh, that this is a problem. And then the instant they meet Todd, every single person comes back, except maybe Megan, every single person comes back with like a glowing report about who Todd is and the great time they had with him. And, you know, whether he cooked them chicken or whether they watched enemy of the state or whether they talked about websites, they've all got something very personal to them that Todd just shared with them. So the flip-floppiness that you're seeing with Ben on that regard is exactly the same as what we are seeing with pretty much every other character in the episode. Yeah, but every other character didn't say they were going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Well, no. <laughs> I mean, didn't say he was going to deal with it. He should deal with it. But Noel <laughs> but started the conversation with Todd dealing with it, right? Noel yeah. approached Todd saying, no, I'm her boyfriend. You're not going to do this. It's a red flag. You can't just come in here and kiss her. You need to skedaddle. And <laughs> like, that's his vibe when he starts the conversation with Todd. And it ends with them laughing together in a room, looking at a website about the sardonic something. Uh <laughs> I don't even remember all the words that Todd threw in there for that website, but he, you know, in a way he also went into that conversation ready to deal with it. He just didn't overtly announce it to Felicity beforehand. He was just going to do it. And it's the same exact result that we saw with Ben, where he then ends up bonding with Todd and they have a great old time. (laughs) And Noel also, does a total 180 and he's like, ah, it's, you know, not everybody would be as patient as you are with him. And, you know, maybe just sit down. <laughs> like, so, I'm glad you're going on a date with him. Yeah. It was, it was like, how did we get here from where you were five minutes ago? But I think, so for me, that uh, discrepancy that you're seeing with Ben is the exact discrepancy that I see happen with some of the other characters 
the anger thing, I think is a different issue. And yeah, you know, it'll be interesting when we get further in to this show. I, I remember Ben being quick to throw a punch. Um, and I'm, I'll be interested because we're unpacking these shows in a, such a level of detail now that we're talking about them episode by episode. And I don't know if I ever really thought about it in that much detail when I was watching this show. So it's going to be interesting to see when, what triggers him, what, when we start seeing more of it, they've done just these tiny little things to start setting it up now, but they haven't given us any context for it. So other than the fact that I told you that this is ahead, I don't know if you would be, I don't know if you would be picking up on it or not. Um, do you no, feel I like this? Like the second he, he said, that's incredibly stupid, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I had this immediate reaction to that mm-hmm. where I was just like, what? Excuse you? No. Yeah. Uh, and then I thought more about it, but no, I had that that immediate reaction because so far i mean look he hit a rapist like we're not exactly like the problem i had but that was not that he hit him but that he stopped hitting him and gave a weird monologue mm-hmm. um yeah that was so very this is manufactured different. this yeah. i think um a theory i'll posit here and i guess we can see over time if this bears out i mean it seems to me that his father is a trigger mm-hmm. under almost any circumstance. But in this case, his father actually just cut him off. Right. So it wasn't just like a simple, I mean, we saw some episodes ago, let's see when Felicity first came back from holiday break, was it maybe give me an O that we saw Felicity say to Ben, I met your dad like in a grocery or store or something. I don't think we talked about it when we got to that episode, but I remember her saying to him when it was Julie, Ben and Felicity in a conversation, she said, I met your dad. And she said something like it. He seemed nice. And Ben was like, well, he makes a good first impression. Mm -hmm. So that is him really introducing what, what Ben chooses to say to other people, right? He said that in front of both Felicity and Julie. And so he's, all, you know, it's really at the tip of his tongue, right? He's not, he didn't just pour into his life story at that moment, but you can see that that was his sort of rebuttal. And now his dad has done something actively that hurts him. And so Ben's response is anger. And I don't know if every, I don't know that every response of anger he'll have in the future is coming from his dad, but I think that's what he learned in dealing with his dad. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but boy needs to get some therapy. Um, Yeah. He's got a lot, he's got a lot going on and, he, I think his struggle continues. And I, I think that we've really looked at his struggle in the early parts of this season where he was failing at a lot of the things he was trying. He didn't make it on the track team. Um, 
Julie did not initially want to date him. You know, there's, there were just some things he was trying to do that didn't really work out in the beginning. And so this guy who was experiencing a lot of success in high school was struggling in college. And now we're in a new semester and he's struggling in a whole different kind of way, just trying to figure out how to pay for college. Yeah. And it has, it led to a number of fun little conversations that I very much enjoyed. We get to learn about Sean. We get to learn some very personal things about Sean and how he likes to live his life mm-hmm. um, because Ben, you know, says, look, I need to be late on the rent. And Sean goes into, you know, look, I need to pay my mortgage. I hate roommates. Like I can't walk around naked. Like I have to keep asking what happens to my crackers. <laughs> I can't watch my porno all the time on the TV. None of this seems to phase Ben. (laughs) Um, I was like, ah, interesting. Uh, And Sean does break down and say, fine, like one month. I mean, they they are getting very bro-y in this, you know, Ben's trying the, what did he call it? Lactose. Lactose. Like Sean's cereal. new invention is a milkless oh. breakfast cereal that is either going to be described as next generation or revolutionary, whatever sounds better. Uh, it is universally considered disgusting by everybody who's tried it so far. <laughs> I love the look that Ben gives Felicity when Sean offers it to her that she does not pick up on. Ben has such a great head shake. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he's just like, no, don't do it. No, 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 no. Don't do it. <laughs> he's like, sure. And then he just like offers her the cup. Mm-hmm. Spit it out into. Yeah. Uh, all oh. that, you know, these these actors, they just have such great that all I feel like all the actors in this show, but particularly um Scott Speedman, Scott Foley, and Carrie Russell, who play Ben Nolan Felicity. I feel like they got people who were very good at the serious stuff, but also really understand comic timing. And, you know, these little head shakes and stuff that we get from Ben, he's just brilliant. And it's like, how can I tell Felicity not to eat this without (laughs) actually saying anything? And then she does it anyway. I like how when he tries it for the first time, He's, he asked, he asked Sean almost as an accusation, like, what are, what is that? And yeah. then <laughs> Sean gives whatever answer he gives. And Ben just says, whatever that is, don't pursue it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was good advice. Uh, not listened to, but good advice. Um, ben seems to give Sean pretty good advice. I don't know about the advice Sean gives to Noel. Yeah. But... <sighs> So I also love that um, the Ben and Felicity had the exact same face when they tried it. Mm-hmm. It was sort of a, oh, what is this? It's kind of like, how can I hold this in my mouth in a way that no food touches any part of my actual <laughs> mouth? Is there a way to put it directly in the air pocket? <laughs> 
Yes. It was just like that, like wide, but closed. <laughs> sort of look like, wow, can it just sort of hover <laughs> without touching any taste buds? Um, and then when they find out the answer is no, they have to immediately spit it out. That is yes. the move. Yes. Uh, well, and this also brings us to what is going to be such a fun relationship in this show, Ben and Javier. Oh, yay. Because Ben needs money. Todd huh? suggested, why don't you just apply for a job at Dean and DeLuca? Felicity makes the connection. And then we get our first Ben and Javier sitting down at a table together. So good. It just is all the things we're going to want it to be. The, this relationship will grow over time. Uh, what we're finding initially is that Ben and, <laughs> and Javier have absolutely nothing in common. Not a single thing. <laughs> <laughs> The very fact that Ben's on Ben's resume, his previous job that he has to talk about is working at a sporting goods store. And Javier's like, oh, <laughs> did you well, work with balls? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, Ben is like, no, I did. I was working skiing. And Javier's like, oh, never, never been skiing. <laughs> It's like, oh, you should, you should. <laughs> like, again, we're getting all this comedic stuff from Scott Speedman, who's just like, how can I keep this guy talking and get a job out of this? Because yes. nothing here is lighting up. <laughs> you know, it's like, how can I still have chemistry with this man, even if we don't have a single thing in common to talk about? And um, he throws him the smile. He knows he's got the good smile. Uh -huh. So he's throwing the good smile. And, you know, he just kind of... He's like, you know, do I have a shot? And oh, Javier, he's like, he just starts shaking his head like, no, no, hon, not even a little. And then he's like, I'm just teasing you. Of course you have it. You're beautiful. Well, he's uh, like, I'm kidding. You know, I love you. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, this is why he's hiring Ben. Um, yep. yep, that's pretty much sums it up right there. I also wow. like that they set up here, and this is a small thing to set up, but nope, another thing I know that what you're gonna fruit. say because it's the one thing I actually do remember uh -huh. about Ben working there. He says, Do you have any aversion to wearing a black hat? Uh-huh. And Ben's like, Do I have to? <laughs> this is two lines, they exchange one line each. And more greatness will come <laughs> from this moment. <laughs> I did not, I did, when this started, I did not remember that Ben worked at Dean and DeLuca. But when they sat down and those two lines, all of a sudden, this flood of memories <laughs> came back with hairnets and hats. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, he did work there. Wow. See, that's the magic. That's the power of TV. <laughs> they can, they can telegraph something with two lines and it makes, oh. and it opens up a treasure trove of memories. I know. Yeah. I just, so now I, I do remember. <laughs> it's really funny to me that you had absolutely no recollection that Ben works there at all until you heard these oh. two lines. And then that's when all the visions came. <laughs> and no, and no visions of like other stuff. It was all about hairnets and like conversations about how he wasn't wearing a hat. Mm -hmm. um, so, but one thing I did not remember 
and Melissa can attest to exactly how this happened. Yes. Uh, so Blair came up to Elena to try to kind of see if he could get something going again. And, and she is fuming. And when he comes up to her, I actually, like just looking at Elena's face, I said out loud, hit him, hit him, hit uh-huh. him. Uh-huh. And then Elena hit him. And I was really surprised. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly how it played out. We're watching it. I'm sitting here trying not to scream because Fish is like just talking over the show, like hit him, hit him. And I'm sitting there thinking she's going to in a second. Just give him a moment. (laughs) And then Elena absolutely decks Blair and lays him out on the floor. And you go, oh my God, she actually hit him. (laughs) (laughs) I was really surprised. That was really satisfying for me. Um, <laughs> it was like, I was sure the show was giving you what you wanted. <laughs> and then I you did. were really surprised when it did. Oh. But I appreciated it. Because let's not forget, we just came off of, uh, you know, an episode where Alina had tested Blair. She gave him t- the tickets to the concert, said I, or she gave him back the tickets to the concert, said, you know, what, I'm not going to be able to show up tonight. Um, just go and enjoy it yourself. And then she, you know, stations herself outside of the, outside of the place to watch him come out and hopefully come out alone. But instead he comes out with Tara, 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 whatever, how we ever say her name. (laughs) I don't know. We'll never see her again. doesn't matter. Um, But, you know, she sees that they went there as a date that is the last we saw of this. And so she is really fresh from the memory of this betrayal. Blair does not know that she saw this. So this is. figured it out. Mm-hmm. I hope so she figured it out. Yeah, you would think so, right? They never say it. Well, she says it overtly in the scene where she lays him out on the floor. Um, but before that point, I'm assuming she just was giving him a silent treatment, wasn't, you know, taking his calls or hanging out with him. And now he's coming for answers. And it's like, well, <laughs> you really don't have a leg to stand on here, buddy. Um, so not only does she just lay him out on the floor in that scene, but when he comes over later to talk with her about it in the cafeteria, she's not having it. <laughs> she's like, There is absolutely no good reason for you to have done this. Sorry, not sorry. And he he is blaming her. And he's also telling her about some of the real relationship problems they had, but it is way too late for that. So uh, I have an award to give here. You know, there are just those moments that I think we all have with our exes where, I mean, I I never talk to or hang out with or remain friends with my exes. So, you know, there's all those things where like you never come up with exactly what you want to say in the moment. Mm -hmm. And you think about it later and you're like, ah, I should have said that. So uh, I've got an award for best breakup line like in the moment mm-hmm. where Helena says, you know, I'm glad you that I'm glad that you and Tara Tara are 
<laughs> are go are uh, going out, you should have sex with her, or in her words, you should bone, because then I'd know you were sleeping with a bitch and she's left unsatisfied. Snap. Damn, Elena. Yeah. She she calls it like it is. Yeah. And good on her. I mean, I wish I was that quick. Yeah, well, she's not going to have any regrets over that one, I would say. That seemed to be what she wanted to express in that moment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Elena's pretty badass is what we are coming to gather here. Um, I mean, if she can pull a headband off as a skirt. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. But she she gets it done, is what we would say about Elena with Blair anyway. Um, Somebody else is getting it done. Richard, yep. <laughs> his antics are just escalating. Like there's no universe in which any of the things he's doing are safe. No. no. You know, it's like, he's just taking this to the very limit because now he knows that Noel and Felicity are having this illicit affair and he holds this over Noel in all these beautiful ways. And he wants to install a satellite dish in his room to watch the Panic Jarecki fight with a whole bunch of people. And so this is going to involve putting a satellite dish up in his room, welding to (laughs) make that happen. So can we all remember how long it took between that Christmas tree going up in flames and the alarm going off? (laughs) And now we've got welding equipment, just like sparks flying everywhere. No alarm. There's no alarm going off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no universe where this is safe. Like he knows it. Everybody knows it. But he says to Noel that dish is going up or you're going down. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way that Richard talks. I mean, he uses all of these ridiculous words like, don't be so sanctimonious with me. (laughs) Fraternizing that you're doing. I mean, I love whoever wrote the dialogue for him. Uh, and the way he delivers it. Oh, <laughs> I mean, Rob, Robert Benedict. Oof. It's and just... he, has these, he has these looks like when Noel walks in and everyone's watching the fight and he's like looking for Richard and Richard just stands up with this big cigar sitting <laughs> hanging out of his mouth and just gives Noel a look like, I own you. I yes. own you. <laughs> it's the I own you look patented, patented by Richard. It he's just so wonderful. How did we have any episodes of the show without him? I don't know. Uh, but again, tons of cigar smoke, no alarms. No, the alarms clearly Richard has just disabled all of the fire alarms. Mm-hmm. And Noel just thinks that's fine because he's the worst RA in history. Yeah. I think, so. I think that's what we've discovered. And and right now, I'm not a great boyfriend either. <laughs> no. no. Oh, my goodness. I there have a few so little notes people. I wanted to circle back to on Todd. Just little things that I observed. One is that Todd uh, is staying at the Hotel Rockmore. And there is an associate producer on the show named Tiffany Rockmore. And so there will be a few times in this show where 
crew get or like producers on the show get name checked into this into the script and this is one of them that I've picked up on I love it um that you know they made it the hotel for Tiffany Rockmore and it's such a prominent thing throughout this episode like he mentions it a bunch of times and we actually see men going to the hotel Rockmore or you know the set of it and so that was one thing that I wanted to mention because there'll be more times when it happens in the future that they'll like say the full or part of the name of somebody who worked on the show. <laughs> I like that they do that. It's a little nod. And then I also wanted to mention that the, the scene that you thought of as so creepy that I think was meant to be really creepy uh, where Felicity is taking the test for the McGrath to get into the McGrath seminar. Mm-hmm. And Todd is looking through the window, the little pane of the window from the hallway and holding up signs kind of love actually like, but creepier. Uh, and, you know, he is basically saying, when are we going to sit down tonight? And he's not <laughs> leaving until Felicity agrees. And she's there trying to take a really important test. And she finally gives a terse head nod of agreement. I really liked the song that was playing for us, at least, in the background of it. It was called Dirty Bird by Ten Star. I'm not sure if that was the original song, but I, I thought it was kind of a fun one to have in the background. See, and that is so funny because that is the only song that I also noted and I hated it. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Only because they're in the middle of taking a test where you would want like silence or something intense. And it's this like, you know, kind of, I don't want to say upbeat exactly, but kind of, um, it's not like intense mood music or something that you would be, it's very different than what you would want when taking a test. It's like the exact opposite. It's super distracting. And I found it distracting watching them take this really important test while listening to this song. Well, that was... I mean, this song was not diegetic. <laughs> <laughs> Characters were not hearing this song. There was no music playing in the room. This but was I just for felt us. it. I, I, I felt it because I was there in the test with them and then this music i was like ah i could never concentrate stop it um but that's that's why we do this podcast together because we get multiple opinions on hey listeners remember when we said way back when that fish and i like the same shows and hate uh everything the other one loves and love everything the other one hates um (laughs) we we like the same stuff and somehow have completely misaligned opinions about every piece of it. Like if you deconstruct it, we have no overlapping opinions, (laughs) (laughs) except that we like the thing we're watching or not. Yep. So this is just an example of how, how is it possible fish? How? I don't know because that is literally the only song I picked up on. Yeah. And then I was like, it's great. And you're like, this is the worst. Also aligning with our optimist versus cynic. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of which, what was up with those clogs and green socks? Who was wearing them? (laughs) 
who do you think was wearing them? The only person who would ever think that that was all right. And she had a moment like, okay, so when she was actually trying to figure out what to wear uh, to her like Mm non-date and she says like, I don't want to look good. I'm like, you have the perfect closet for that. Like you should not be struggling at this moment in time. (laughs) And so she, she puts back on this like button down sweater thing she's been wearing the whole episode. And when we first see her, we only see the top half of her. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And then we pan down and she's wearing a full length gray skirt with Mm -hmm. it. Oh my God. The old maxi skirt. Oh my God. Mm. And then, okay, when she puts on the outfits, I agree. The first sweater was fine. Then she puts on the second sweater and it's like, you got it right there. That sweater with that skirt, put the clogs back on, put the green socks on. He will run. He will run for the hills. (laughs) But she puts back on her dirty clothes, which were slightly better than the second outfit that she was wearing. Uh Um, So anyway, that is what I felt about her this episode (laughs) i just i had a very strong reaction like you never wear socks with sandals wow ever no anyone who wears socks with sandals stop it like take them off right now both of them and you can wear sandals or you can wear socks but not together ever and i i feel like clogs i get it they've got closed toe but it's sandal-esque and those, mm. those green socks were so horrible. So Just there's no. no circumstance that you can think of socks and clogs being okay? No, no. What no if, socks and clogs, no socks and sandals. What about, well. No, okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> the answer's no. Nothing <laughs> makes this okay. I don't care if you broke your leg. I don't care if, like, it's other your house is on fire to people who break their leg no because i've seen this you like break your leg and then on your other leg you're wearing a sandal with sock why do those two things go together (laughs) i don't understand it anyway gosh no no, the answer is no like if you are wearing socks and your house is on fire you have sandals right next to the door do not put shoes on just go outside Wow, go shoeless, you're saying. Go shoeless. Well, here we have it. Uh, (laughs) Rant from a cynic. And listeners, I know you're surprised to see this be about fashion. (laughs) Um, I just can't. can't. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess this is better than you coming for the sheep that produced the wall (laughs) (laughs) that produced Felicity's hat in one of the last episodes. Okay, look, don't bring Phil up again. I'm not bringing him up again. I don't want to hear about him. No, I don't. I don't want to hear that. That is hurtful to me. (laughs) I'm still reeling over the fact that you thought that you first (laughs) said like they have to kill sheep to make the to get the walls like no 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 um that's not a thing but goodness 
Okay. So Claude, hey guys, if you were wondering, clogs and socks, that's not a combination that's acceptable under any circumstance, even if you have to escape from a fire, even if you've broken your leg. You know, uh, sandals and socks. Now clogs I get are like slightly different. I can see wearing some socks. So you're not like rubbing, you know, the back of your like maybe nude color socks or white, but like green wool socks with brown clogs that look like that. No, just no. Listeners, I want you to be aware that before we started this (laughs) podcast, I held up for fish a recent purchase that I made because I'm a big fan of novelty (laughs) socks. And I waved in front of the screen, not one, but two pairs of Mr. Potato Head socks. One Mm -hmm. side, Mr. Potato Head was fully put together. And the other side, it's a deconstructed Mr. Potato Head with just floating body parts all over the place. And Mm -hmm. fish said, that's amazing. Which, hey, I have no problem with socks. Socks are amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. Socks with sandals are never okay. Okay. And you live in California now. So take this as like, you know, a PSA for you. Right. Don't do this. Okay. Because I know how much you like socks. Yeah. And how bad my fashion sense is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if I could wear socks on my body, I would. Um... (laughs) (laughs) But you do have an amazing sock collection. I and it just got two potato, Mr. Potato Head socks better. All right, yeah. I'm I'm too deep in Mr. Yeah. Potato Head socks. Uh, the listeners didn't need to know all this, but we went there. <laughs> so n- now that we've had our rant, how about I give you my notes from an optimist? And I'm going to tell you, it this took a second. It took a second longer than a second <laughs> that it would normally take me. I thought, what's the message in this episode? <laughs> and I decided, you know, it is amazing the ripple effects that one person can create and it can be used for good. It could be used for evil, I suppose. But, you know, just think if you're, if you're saying to yourself, does it matter? Does it matter that I'm here? Do we have, are, are we alone in this universe? Do we have, are we just a speck? Do we have any impact on what's happening in the world? Does it matter that we were here? Todd Mulcahy is here to tell you it does matter because in a short episode, he is able to create such ripple effects. And I think that's a lesson for all of us. You know, if you never know what you might say that could make a big difference to another person or even a small difference on a day when they really need it. So that's something that I think we can all learn from Todd. Wow. So your takeaway from Todd is that we all have purpose in life and that there are aliens. Right. I think that is what I actually said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not what I meant, though. What I meant (laughs) was that even if it doesn't feel like a big life purpose, I think even in the little things that we do, we can just create these little ripples that impact somebody else's world and it can be in a good way. That's what I meant. But I, I understand that I mentioned things that could lead you to aliens. That's <laughs> not being alone in the universe. 
which I appreciate. Um, I, I think that that is a very nice, I'm glad you took the extra second because that is, I, I would not have been able to pull that out of this show and I appreciate that. So we all have a purpose. It does matter that we're here. Um, this was, I mean, I thought this was a good episode. We had a lot of moments that we laughed at. Now, I, I'm going to be fully transparent. Um, I assume you have all finished watching this episode. If you haven't, I'm going to pause here and let you go watch it, or at least the last five minutes, because you should do that. So just go watch it now. And if you haven't, we just spoiled the next like 10 episodes for you with various other things that we talked about. So sorry about that. Um, But I feel like you need to experience this moment on your own and then you can come back and either agree or fully judge me. Mm -hmm. So go watch it. Okay. Okay. Now I'm assuming you have watched uh, at least the last five minutes and now know the poor Todd is he's hit by a bus uh-huh. and I, I don't know what it is, but this happens in like multiple shows or like movies. And I always find it funny. Uh-huh. It is hilarious when people get hit by buses in TV shows, it's like they're there and then they're gone. And it's just funny. So when this happened, I just started laughing. Like I could yes, not stop did. laughing. It, it, was it was a moment of great uncontrollable. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fish laughed so hard it made me laugh. Really funny. Yeah. Uh, you started laughing, which I thought was uh, out of character. But okay, if you were laughing at my laughing, that that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I get that it's not funny in real life, but I don't know why every time i see this happen i cannot stop uncontrollably laughing and it Um, comes out of you know potentially the creepiest of all creepy moments right felicity finally sits down with todd at what is it tribeca food and they don't even really eat he he's he's making his big speech his big pitch to her about how important they are to each other and how he just wants this kiss she says no she gets up she walks out of the restaurant he follows her he says i'm getting that kiss and she's like, no, you are not. Stop it. This is very rude. I want you gone. Get out of my life. Get out of my face. Stop it. And uh, he just slowly starts backing up into the road. I know. And he's like, I, I, I lost this battle. I concede that. But I am not in any way out. And bam. Bam. Full speed bus. So hitting. Funny. <laughs> it's still funny. <laughs> and that bus really was full speed. It was just like the guy didn't even break for a second. Uh, well, no. And yeah. but that's what's funny about it. It's like they're there, then they're not. Yeah. Anyway, um, um, there and he is gone now. Well, or yeah, will we see I, him again in Todd Mulcahy part two, which is the next episode <laughs> coming up? <laughs> I'm guessing we probably will. So who knows what that's going to be like? Is it the ghost of Todd? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just can't imagine him like, I don't know, being fine after this. So he's probably not going to be fine. He's probably not fine. He's going to be in some 
state of not fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see this being all right. So I assume, I assume he dies, but I don't know. Uh, but also there's a part two. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, so feel free to take from that what you will or share with us other things that you find funny that maybe not everyone does because uh, I mean, on this one, at least I will not judge you at all. I would say there was probably as much laughter about this as there was with the one episode that closes with Ben eating the marzipan boxer oh really, really slowly, like yeah. slumped in his chair. Yeah. But that was, that was sort of a growing laughter. Like as he was doing it, it became funnier and funnier. And it, this was like an immediate, like belly laugh, like couldn't yeah. breathe. Yeah. Oh, Good times. It is. I mean, this is why we watch the show. It's one the of the reasons. Like yeah. For moments like this. I mean, this is just going to happen once, but <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> you know, there's more to come. <laughs> there's more to come. Uh, and you know, that next episode is going to be Todd Mulcahy part two. So we have a bit to unwind from what was set up in this episode and it's going to take an interesting path from here. I think, um, you know, Todd left Felicity with some pretty big questions and then this very traumatic event. So (laughs) who knows how that's all going to congeal for her. Oh my goodness. Well, let's, before we do listener feedback. Uh, what did you think about this episode overall? Let's rate it. I love this episode. I absolutely loved it. I loved it. Like, I didn't think there was anything inconsistent about it. I think there were things to think about and things that confused me. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you're right. Just tons and tons of, I mean, I'm assuming you're right because you said that there's a lot of, uh, forecasting of the future and, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens. And I also found huge parts of it just ridiculously funny. And it has given me a lot of joy on a day when I have had very little rest and maybe it's leading me to be a little punchy, but, uh, I would say this is like by far my favorite episode so far. And I am giving it a 10 out of 10 gloves. I know. I mean, this, this, I mean, it's going to be really hard to top this one. I mean, are you kidding? I absolutely love this one. I'm so pleased. I'm so very pleased. I think we've mentioned this uh, previously, but there is uh, somebody who's found us on Instagram, Todd underscore at Todd underscore Mulcahy. And when this person first started like sort of interacting in our feed, I was like, Oh my God, fish. This is amazing. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. She's like, why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, we'll get there. We will get there. And then whoever this person is has a deeply encyclopedic knowledge of the most minute details of this show and talks only in those most minute details. And I have been appreciating it every second and uh and fish doesn't understand a bit of it until now (laughs) (laughs) and it's genius whoever it is they're genius and i love them yeah so i'm i'm feeling especially satisfied that you found this episode so great 
I don't know how to, I don't know how to top this for you. I don't even know how to classify this episode. (laughs) (laughs) It would be very difficult. Yeah. I mean, look, if this is what I love, I mean, I don't know how you can get more of this than this episode. There's this is this is you're gonna get. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's true. Right. Um, okay. Well, here's my rating. So first of all, I had uh, an embarrassment of rating options uh, for that's, units of measurement I mean, here. Wow. Um, and there might be some things that you think I would say here. But the one that I chose was childlike senses of wonder, (laughs) (laughs) which I feel really redeemed that I chose that because I couldn't even say it without laughing. Um, I thought about Malamars. I thought about all of it. Right. But I was like, I just want to rate this one in childlike senses of wonder. So I gave this one an eight out of 10 and I feel ridiculous now that you put it at 10 out of 10. Uh, You know, I think it's, I like that you did because I wasn't sure if I would have rated it lower if I had, if I were not aware of what's ahead. Like on a first watch, if you don't know anything that's ahead, I don't know if you can appreciate the beauty of how many things (laughs) like they're setting up in this. Now going back and looking at it, I'm like, oh my goodness, there's like a dozen different threads they're going to pull. Some of them big, some of them really small. So I appreciate how much effort they put into it here. I appreciate the self-awareness that they had. Um, there's a lot that I like about this episode. And so I put this one at eight out of 10 childlike senses of wonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I landed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy, my rating system. You know, when we try to do Love an it. average at the end of season one, I don't know how I'm going to talk about my average. (laughs) Yeah, because you have different units, but then you also have the added complication that I, I have divided shows into pieces and rated them differently. So, yeah, I mean, good luck with that. Yeah. It'll be an interesting exercise. We'll see how it goes, but I thought I would uh, sort of before we close out here, we had some listener feedback recently that was so lovely. And so I thought I would share that. Colleen wrote to us, Hi, Melissa and Fish. I have many random thoughts. First, I need to say I adore everything about what you're doing. I'm 38 and watched Felicity all through high school. Rewatched constantly in college when it was on the Wii channel. Also, not Fish with the Sally Condom rating breakdown. I cackled. That was from the last show. <laughs> Uh, here's where I come down on the Nolan Ben of it all. Bleep Ben, marry Noel. Well, then and who does she kill? I'm not sure. Hmm. Maybe Colleen can get back to us on who she'd kill. She okay. says, I'm flipping loving your podcast. I'm a school-based speech pathologist, and it's getting me through the end of the school year. Thanks again. We appreciate you, Colleen. Yes, we do. Oh, my goodness. You're the best. Yeah, you are. You're our favorite for today. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so fun to hear. You know, it's this has been a funny process because I have this theory, like people who enjoy this show, a lot of us discovered it when it first aired or shortly after that. This show ended, it was 2002. Social mm-hmm. media wasn't a thing. 
conventions weren't really happening, or at least the, the actors for this show were not on some sort of a convention circuit. So if you liked this show, you kind of liked it quietly. And so we're finding all these people who rewatch it privately, but it's like the show for introverts. You, you just keep rewatching it in small groups or by yourself and having a deep pre- appreciation. And we're finding all these people. <laughs> and it's so cool to see it. Um, <clears throat> I have yet to encounter somebody who likes the show who isn't cool. So I'm just throwing it down. Show me yep. another show who has only awesome fans. That's, I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, I, we've been trying to think of other shows that are like Felicity. And really, I mean, between the two of us, we've watched a lot of television, like a lot. Um, and uh, neither one of us has really been able to come up with a, a truly comparable show you know, that focuses in on a core group of people and that you can have these types of discussions about. I mean, there are a lot of great shows out there that you would have different types of discussions about and could be cool. And, you know, other people are doing podcasts and we're listening to them about you know, Gilmore Girls or, you know, other of of kind of, um, you know, parent relationships or high school or college or whatever. But this... I don't know. I, there's just something special about this one that I have not seen replicated. There really is. And there's like a lot of meat on the bones with this show, especially in this first season, because I think they tackled some very big topics. And I guess as you get further into this show, they're going to get more into sort of storylines because they've done some of this stuff already. But I think they understood very well the time period that they were set in. And both in terms of when they made the show and also the, you know, when these characters, what the part of their lives that they were in. So they mined as much, I think, as they could mine of college age students and all the tensions that you have during that time and all the things you're exploring. And then, you know, they did this really great balance of we're going to give you emotion. We're going to give you deep conversation and we're going to give you humor. We're going to give both of those things in, I guess, overall equal measure. Some episodes are going to be more skewed one way or the other, but there's just so much to talk about. And I love that a lot, a lot of the episodes have these really long scenes, dialogue heavy, long scenes where you can really breathe into it and you can find a lot out about the characters. So you get, you feel like you're one of their friends as you go through. Yeah. And it's, um, I didn't, I did not remember it being this funny. Uh I always thought of it as this, you know, serious drama relationship based, but oh man, it is, it is got some genius, hilarious moments. Well, that's my memory more of season four. We'll see if I still feel that way when we get there, but I think season four felt like really a lot more drama than comedy. This first season, though, is just off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't even know what to say about it. Um, but we, yeah, yeah, we've said so much. We have. It's just beautiful. Well, we <laughs> appreciate Colleen's feedback. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Thank you to everybody who listens. And for anybody who wants to share feedback with us, 
uh, or anything really, if you want to share feedback, if you want to answer any questions we've asked, questions we didn't ask. Um, if you're an artist and you got Felicity fan art, we'd love to hear from you and see any of it. So you can write to us at themelissafish at gmail.com. That's Melissa with one L, two S's, themelissafish at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Felicity Podcast. And if you want to be informed when a new episode comes out, you can sign up for our newsletter. We just drop a line as soon as the episode drops and you can sign up for that. If you check the show notes, you can find the link where you can sign up for that. So all of those are ways to connect with us. But as we brace ourselves for what's ahead for Todd Mulcahy part two, Fish, is there anything else you wanted to say about Todd Mulcahy part one? Oh, I think, I think we got through most of it. I'm sure there will be more things that come up as soon as we turn this off, but I would love to see a Todd Mulcahy part two where everyone's just haunted by the ghost of Todd Mulcahy (laughs) or like a Felicity Christmas Carol where Todd Mulcahy comes back. Well, I'm not going to spoil this for you. You may or may not get something like that. And those of us who are familiar with the show, you can tackle to yourselves appropriately, whether you think she's got right on the nose or if she's a little (laughs) off the mark. Um, But yeah, this, this is a strange, but wonderful storyline they're giving us. And that is exactly what I enjoy. If you ever want to know, like, what I enjoy, and also, I guess the one other thing I forgot to say was, um, so Megan was just amazing in this, and I feel like she and I, like whoever is writing for Megan and, you know, how she delivers those lines, like that is my sense of humor. That Uh is exactly what I would say and how I would say it, like at most times. Yeah, I thought you'd feel a kinship with Megan as yeah. we went through. We continue <laughs> yeah. to try to stop the screen on parts of her room and continue to come up with nothing. Like, we, it happened when we looked at her her box and all the stickers on it. It was like, what do any of these stickers mean? We couldn't come up with it. And then we froze the screen on the, the new piece of her, her room that they showed us, and we couldn't make anything out except for uh, there was a what was it like a mask yeah there was a mask and i think there's like half a doll's body i, I don't know yeah <laughs> it's an exercise folks if you really like the show try freezing the screen on any anything that shows decoration from megan's side of the room and see if you can come up with whatever <laughs> they've shown us i love that they put that much detail and attention to detail and fleshing because we see up until this point, we don't get a ton of content from her. We don't get a lot of screen time and we don't necessarily get a lot of dialogue from her yet. So they have a lot of work to do to give us an impression of her in 10 seconds at a time or 15 seconds at a time. This time the screen lingered a little longer on her nose piercing process. But you know, most of the time we're getting these little flashes of who she is. And the fact that they put that much effort into building out the look of the look and feel of what was happening behind the character makes us feel like we know her, even if we only got 10 seconds. Yeah. She's special. Uh, She's special. 
more to come with that. The good news is there's going to be plenty more Megan as time goes on. And I'm happy about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we pretty much covered it here today, Fish, right? I think so. Okay. Well, until next time, Fish, don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone. I'm a fish. Bye. Bye, everyone.